What's going on? It's Zach. Before we get into another stellar episode of the talk, I just want to give you a quick heads up that in today's conversation, we do touch on the topic of suicide. So just a little heads up on that one. And as always, the talk season two is in partnership with Stella's Place. It is it is Valentine's Day today. Oh my goodness. Happy Valentine's Day. I guess I should have started with that off the jump. But you know we are running this campaign all the way till March and we are on our mission to at the $5,500 going towards Stella's place, Stella's Place's virtual counseling sessions. And of course, you can go to atthe55.ca to find our hats, shirts, and masks. Proceeds, of course, go to Stella's Place as well. So atthe55.ca or hit up our Instagram page where you can find a link in the bio to donate to our campaign for Stella's Place. We have Nick Pennard coming on the show. Enjoy, everyone. Uh, my name is Nicholas Bernard. I am the former Queens Gales number 50 on the offensive line. And, and you are listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We are back with another installment of The Talk, our interview conversation show where we speak with athletes about mental health and how it revolves around their sport and of course with football being what we do that is where today's guest is joining us from a member of the queen's university golden gales and my favorite type of guest an offensive lineman welcome to the show welcome back to the show nick pinard nick how you doing man how about yourself you know, I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, Nick, uh, you know, as always, you know, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, the we'll get right into it. The the, the main reason, I mean, it's great having you on. We had you on before, as you mentioned, at the offseason walkthrough tour. But you had written for our Outside the Playbook blog on the website, an incredible piece, which uh, for those listening, if, if you haven't got a chance to check out, I implore you to still do it, though I'm certain we will get into the details of it. And also, that's on me for not promoting our stuff well enough if people aren't reading the content on the website. But you you wrote uh, an incredible piece about dealing with the loss of your father during the 2019 uh, OUA season. I'll, I'll leave it at that because I'm certain no one tells this story better than you. I, I know it didn't start right there in, in fall of 2019, but I guess I'll just leave it to you to sort of start that or start the telling of that journey sort of where you want to and we'll kind of go from there well thank you again for having me on and thank you again for letting me write that piece like i can't really be thankful enough like it's it's, it helps to get all that off my chest when i did it when i did it our Um, pleasure absolutely first things first i did not expect that thing to blow up the way it did um a lot of my people i never even met in my life were reaching out to me i actually had the carlton o-line coach which i've never even spoke to in my life uh talk about how much he appreciated the article and it was shocked um so if we're just going back to the story like obviously it started uh like you said way before 2019 it started in like my dad's been chronically ill his whole life i have that same disease it's called polycystic kidney disease um it's um how do i say it everyone in my family has had it like at some point on my father's side um or every generation at the very least um the oldest like recorded aspect of it was my grandmother's mother uh, she died when my grandma was three and they just thought she had kidney cancer. So essentially all it is, is cysts growing on your kidneys, slowly shutting down the function. And slowly but surely your kidneys are to go out and then it's when you hop on dialysis. That's when, you know, it's, it's a three time a week process. It's, it's four hours. It's daunting. 
remember my dad when I was little, and it's still like some of the like funnest nights I've ever had was um, for four hours, my dad, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday would go after work, sit for four hours on a dialysis chair and get his blood filtered. Essentially, these things with the kidneys are no longer there. Um, so that's when it essentially all started. And after that, like, you know, my dad being like, you want some junk food? I was like, absolutely. I'm a fat kid. Of course, I want junk food. Um, so it all started there pretty much. And then um, when I was around 10 years old, I believe, uh, he finally got his transplant, which was really great. And then uh, a few years later, I think I was 15 or 16, he relapsed and lost his kidneys. Um, and that's when the whole process started over again. And then obviously I saw him a lot less because he was living in Montreal, like downtown Montreal. I was living on the outskirts. We saw whenever we could each other. And like, really, like we're, by the time I was finishing CJIP, we were really rebuilding our relationship. For a long time, me and my father were kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum. But my parents divorced. It was really hard on my whole family because they were like the rock of the family for a long time. And then they split up and then this was going on and all that. Um, so that was hard. And I, um, we're really starting to rekindle that relationship a lot. Uh, my last years of high school, you know, getting more independence, be able to like, you know, take public transit into Montreal and without getting confused because 15 year old me was confused as hell. Um, so we, I would go in, rekindle that relationship. And then, uh, that time, the last university and my dad got progressively sicker, but he was still had a good outlook. Whereas like, he wasn't going to die from anything involving, his dialysis because he had covered his bases finally it took a long time but everything was covered yes he had sustained a lot of damage uh physically but he was okay he was in good spirits he was happy he was really excited for me to go play for queens um my whole first year not playing i i didn't use a year of eligibility that year i you know we had our center that was there and brendan ginn and then emily from was our backup and i was like all right that's fine i don't I, have to, I can just play for four years and I'll be happy because, again, the age cap and all that. Uh, that summer, so 2018, the summer of 2018, I was coaching the Grenadiers, which are now the Junior Gales. And in the middle of practice, I get a call from my dad. It's it's 7 p.m. He knows I'm coaching. Like, you know, he's aware of like what I'm doing right now. Um, and he says, hey, things aren't looking too good. I'm like, this is weird. And I call my stepmom. My stepmom's like, hey, just no doctor brought him in for like some – checkup he might be just a little worried he might be just you know for lack of a better term being a little bit dramatic which is we have a flair for the dramatic if you ask anybody who knows me i have a flair for the dramatic but um i just called my stepmom again like middle of practice and like hey is everything okay like i'm, I'm done in about an hour i'll call you back after like see what's going on um my dad had just gone in for surgery to replace his fistula. So I, I don't know if anyone's aware what a fistula is. It is essentially where they join a vein and an artery together in order to filter the blood artificially through the dialysis machine. You have to replace that on your left arm every few months. And it, it's important for kidney patients to have that left arm intact, which is why right arm covered, left arm nothing, is because the veins need to remain intact for it to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible to avoid having it surgery so much um he went in it's routine surgery my dad's had it like four or five times like it wasn't he's had his he's had his fistula move a couple times he came out of it fine but within a few weeks like everyone in my house and my dad's house i got in a cold so my dad's like oh i must have just gotten the cold and all of a sudden his blood pressure shot up everything he got really really sick and he's like okay i'm just gonna go to hospital see what's going on 
they brought him in. Um, he was in septic shock. His body was shutting down. There was something wrong with the surgery that caused him to have an infection, some dirty tool, something, something along those lines that we were told. We're not exactly sure what happened. But ever since then, my dad went to a coma for about two, three months, would come out of it and go back into it. Constant cycle of tw from 2018 to 2019 of, of just coma and not. And then at the end, right, uh, right around the end of 2018 was a flight. I think it was, what was it? It was our homecoming game against you, Ottawa, um, in 2018. Um, he's supposed to come. He's supposed to. I'm starting. He's gonna come see this first game. I'm I'm pumped. He had just gotten out two weeks before Thanksgiving. He's doing such good progress. He had a dialysis appointment that night. He's like, all right, gotta do my dialysis. Go home, get some sleep, get on the road early in the morning. I'm like, all right, perfect. Can't wait for you to come see us. Um, around 11, 11:30. I'm not entirely sure what was going on. I mean, my girlfriend is I don't know watching TV in her in her living room or something like that. And I get a call from my stepmom's like, you're your dad's in a coma again. I'm like, what happened? Uh, essentially, his blood pressure shot down again. After dialysis, you're supposed to keep the person. Long story short, they did not keep my father when his blood pressure shot down. And he essentially collapsed and hit his head on his car and was knocked out and didn't have oxygen to his brain for, I believe, 10 minutes. So he was legally declared dead for 10 minutes and they brought him back to life but unfortunately he ever since that point in time he was never the same i would go see him he'd wake up i remember i went to see the 2018 vanier cup and i drove to quebec city stayed with, stayed with a couple of my buddies and then when i came down instead of going straight to kingston i just went to the hospital to see him real quick and again he he thought i just come off winning the bull door with my sage team i was like that was three years ago like he didn't exactly know what was going on right and ever since then that's when that's when it started affecting me because i saw him not understand where he is sometimes not know who i am not know who my stepmom was not know who my mom was who my grandfather my grandmother and all that stuff so we were that's when it started affecting me and that's when my grades started slipping a lot i i was always on my phone i was always looking down at it i was always what if tonight's the night he just goes, right? And I never knew what was going to happen. Um, because of that, I didn't lose my scholarship. I, I, I failed just below the the average needed, GPA needed to maintain a scholarship according to OUA rules. So I lost my scholarship that year. That was rough. Um, I tried to make it up with a summer class and it didn't work. I, again, fell just short. Um what happened afterwards was, you know, the summer I trained, I did my thing, new coaching staff, everything coming in, and it really helped. Like we, when with Nesbitt and Coach Snyder and Coach Flax actually brought in a guy I used to know from Champlain, who played at Bishops, uh, Dimitri Franco, and then played at Western for a year, uh, two years, excuse me. He uh, he came in and really helped me just ground myself and just keep focusing, just had, knowing I had like a friend that I, I knew for a long time there, and it was it was. It was insane, like the amount of support I felt during during that year. And then first game did not go our way at all. Uh, same thing against Western. And then we're getting ready for Ottawa. I don't know why Ottawa always has this connotation with my father. Um, Thursday night, last practice of the week. Um, get a call from my stepmom's like, hey, 
all we're doing is waiting on you to give the okay to pull the plug because I'm I'm next of kin and my dad was never remarried. So I was next of kin. I had the decision. I had to wait. And I was like, can it wait till I get back on Sunday and say bye to him? So told the coaches about it. I remember if Coach Pronko was the first one to hear about it. Like the coaches were just not in trail. They was like, hey, like this is happening right now. They're like, yeah, no problem. Friday they brought me in. It's like, are you sure you want to play? And my dumb ass is like, yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't I? Like, you know, it's football. I Hindsight being 2020, should not have played. Barely remember anything from that game. I just remember I played my ass off. I tried my best. Um, when we lost, I broke down. Couldn't, I, could, I didn't know what was going on. I saw my mom, I broke down. That was it. Um, <laughs> the funniest part about, like, it sounds so bad, but like the, the, one of the weird memories I have is one of our guys on a recruiting trip, well, two of our guys, Zach Dodge and Chase DeVries, were on a recruiting trip to Ottawa, just watching a game, and they saw me because I coached them, Junior Gales and Grenadiers. And he came up to me. He's like, are you okay? Like, they didn't really know what was going on. Um, I'm just crying and crying and crying. And the guys are walking by. They're like, what the hell is wrong with Bernard? We're only three games in. Like, what's going on? And then those two guys are like, I'm their coach. They're like, why is he crying? Like, I don't I don't get what's going on. And then, weirdly enough, Dodge asked me, like, are you looking look right now? I'll take a picture of you. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm crying. Leave me alone. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. And he put, he put in his picture for a while, which was hilarious. <laughs> Without even knowing what the context was, right? So it was just funny. That was a weird memory I have of that. Yeah. I always, I always let him know about it too. It's funny. But anyways, um, uh, fast forward to that. Like the, the, I didn't tell the team much. Um, after the game, I made a post like, hey, like, again, sorry if you hear my dog wanted to get in here. Uh, <laughs> he, um, I just made a post like, just saying goodbye, like, you know, you're, you're entering your last few days here, and I know we'll be, you won't know I'm saying goodbye, but I'm saying goodbye to you. And that's when the players were like, what the hell? And that's when I started really feeling support from the boys. Like, it was really helpful. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, I shouldn't have played from that game, but it felt good knowing the boys on the back after that. Yeah. Um, I went, I stayed in Kingston that night. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to drive. I didn't want to do anything. I was like, I'm just going to, go straight to Kingston, sleep for a little bit, uh, hang out with some of the guys, just get my brain off of it for a little bit. And then next morning, my girlfriend, who's been a rock throughout this whole thing, Kess has been unbelievable throughout these last three years here at Queens. Four years, really. We've been living together four years. Um, when that all happened, um, pack the car at 6 a.m., drive home, um, went to the hospital, my grandmother, my mom came with me. My stepmom was there. My grandfather, my uncle drove down from Gananoque. Just all go say bye one more time. Um, I decided to stay in Montreal that night. I stayed at my friend Chuck's, just slept over. They had a spare bedroom for us. It was great. It was awesome. I, again, got my mind off of it as much as I could. Um, 12.30, so at this point, it is September 9th. Yes, I believe. Yeah, September 9th. Uh, about 12.30 a.m., my stepmom called me. Hey, like, he passed. And that's, that's again, depression hit me pretty hard when that happened. And as much as I was prepared for it, I'm never fully prepared for it actually happening. And when it actually hit, it broke. It really hurt me a lot. So it was, uh, ever since then, it was just me trying to tough through it. Just me, like, I didn't want to get it. 
I didn't want to do anything, but I still, you know, get up, go to my training at, you know, 6 a.m. or whatever it was, be ready there for 545, be ready to rock, and just trying to be there for the guys as much as I can. And I was just trying to push through the pain. And there's a couple of times I would go home and I would just break down crying because I didn't know how to, how to handle it. I was, again, I touch upon this in the article is that I, I thought I was too tough to want to deal with this. I was trying to maintain this tough guy aura that I had. And yeah. it, it broke me. It literally it broke me for a long, long time. And it, it took me a whole year to get over it because the strangest thing about COVID was it allowed me to just deal with it in my own way. Whereas I didn't have pressure from teachers to be there. I didn't have pressure from football to be there as much. And I was able to just go work, go work out, do my own thing, have my own schedule, talk about it with my girlfriend, talk about it with my friends whenever we could get together because you know, COVID was still, well, still is rampant now, but whatever. Um, COVID was the biggest thing back then, right? So mm-hmm. we're all just worried about it and we all start talking about it you know, around fires, all that. It felt good to finally let it out a little bit and deal with it a lot and that was essentially part of the article was me emphasizing please go get help when you need it don't wait like me because all it does is hurt you more that was that's the main point of that article and that it, you know bill let's talk day is next week right i'm, I'm pretty sure as, as of the time of our recording yeah next week so it's it's ironically on my birthday um where i say mental health should not be celebrated once a year it should it should be a year-round thing where it's a discussion that continues to happen and i'm really happy like if there's one thing that came out of this pandemic it's now a main part of discourse now is that we need to start thinking about mental health as much as it, it it is yes still care for your loved ones still make sure you're staying safe but there is a lot more discourse on mental health. And there's one good takeaway to take out of this is that my message is starting to get through now is that please take care of your mental health and please go get help. There's no shame of it. The stigma should not be there anymore. It is 2020, 2022, excuse me. And that we should start opening up the, the floodgates more for mental health and therapy. Absolutely. Um, I mean, first and foremost, thank you, Nick, for sharing your story. When you talk about, you know, wanting to get through it and feeling you have to be tough, but then also kind of mentioning that you hadn't really let all all that many people in, you know, you kind of saying that some of the guys on the team were taken by surprise when you were kind of putting out the posts saying your goodbyes in that way. Is that tied in with that mentality of, of wanting to be tough that even, you know, we're going back b- before your father had, had passed away? where you, you still weren't, because I'm, I'm sure it was still on your mind as in, in those, as you said, it was on your mind. So is that part of that same mentality or, or is that something else where, you know, it's one thing when the, you know, as you mentioned, your father passed away and you still kind of want to deal with it on your own. But even in, in the months leading up to that, was that that same mentality or was that sort of something else where you were kind of not reaching out to people on the, even on the team? Um, yes, that was a big part of it, but also I just didn't want to be a distraction, right? I didn't want to like, make an emphasis on me when the emphasis should be on the football team on a task of task at hand. So I was just kind of dealing with it in my own right, just trying to figure it out. Don't be a distraction. Let's go try and win this game as much as we can. We we gave Ottawa a good fight that game. I remember we lost, but you know, it wasn't wasn't nearly as as it was tighter than the scores we would suggest. And we gave him a good fight and it just you know as much as it sounds weird about a win would have helped and I felt like, oh, if I didn't say anything, it's because I wasn't being a distraction. We did a good job and all that. But, you know, hindsight being 2020 again, 
I, I should have said something to alleviate that pressure off of me. And I, again, hindsight being 2020, I, that toughness, that aspect, I should have just taken a step back. I'm like, all right, maybe I should start think about me for a second and maybe not go play this football game. I, I should have done that a long time ago. I'm considering myself more, but again, a tough guy aspect, the not being a distraction as to why is Pinard not playing? Why is Pinard not talking to anybody? I, I should have, that was dangerous to a point because I was starting to hurt myself and not feeling good for myself. So that, uh, that was a big aspect of it. Absolutely. When you look back on this on this journey you've been through, and and no doubt you're still dealing with a lot of things and still kind of learning how to deal with it, with it all, but are there things? And it's 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 obviously very recent. You know, you kind of touched on maybe you would have uh, opened up a bit more to some people or, or uh, tried to eliminate that the tough guy facade a bit. But if you could have gone to if you could go into a time machine to, to speak with Nick Pinard back in 2019 and those in 2018 to, to to give him some advice on on sort of how to be coping with those things what are, are there any other big takeaways that you would have wanted to have that maybe you have in your toolkit now to be able to deal with with your own mental health or, or through talking that maybe you didn't then um not that I know, like, again, what I didn't have then was like, there's a toolkit there, go get it. You know, you, you train your body to get ready for, for a season for what a season is like three months long. The rest of the, the nine months leather, other nine months are just for training your body, getting ready for it, making sure that you are physically prepared to go play. Well, you should treat your mind the same way. Whereas if you are not mentally prepared to play, you're not going to be able to play. And that was a big takeaway for me, especially again this year, like my mind needed to be trained, trained for what I was about to live through. And that's something I should have learned a lot sooner. And that way I would have been able to adapt a lot more to the situation and actually been able to get help from people. Well, you know, going back to one of the things you said off the jump of just how much people took to what you wrote. And people you didn't even know sharing that article, I think, really speaks to a lot of those messages that you're reiterating now in this interview and in that article of, you know, that that message of if you need help, you know, ask for it, go get it. There's nothing, especially in the the, the world of football that we occupy, that the, the stigmas, wherever they come from and wherever they exist, that that they're overall just negative for ourselves mm-hmm. um so no doubt just that message the sort of the the amount that the the message got shared speaks to the power of you putting that message out there and so i you know i i thank you for writing that again um you know pivoting somewhat from that story in particular um it, it, i, I want to ask you about kind of fast forward to now you know this past year that we had in 2021 the the covid year in the OUA um because you and I share a commonality um in that both as offensive linemen uh, or myself former offensive linemen where in our final year our our team had a lot of success your queens gales going undefeated losing in the yates i was on the 2015 griffins when we ended up winning the yates against western but where uh neither of us actually got to start in that championship game. And while of course I'm certain the the boys in the tricolors would have loved to have, you know, finished the year off with the Yates, I'm certain I imagine there's a lot of jubilance around the program of, hey, like the great year to build off of. Um and so I I can appreciate from going through something similar that 
it can be hard to feel that same joy when you know that you, you don't feel like you maybe got to play your part in it as much as you thought you could have or wanted to. So I guess just the last thing, um, what was that? What was this past year for you knowing that, you know, the team was rocking and rolling was a joy to watch week out, week in and week out. And unfortunately for, you know, whatever reasons you weren't able to be starting for, with the team. Um, first of all, solid flex, the Yates win. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> um, but um, no. See, I can I flex was... it a little bit. I can flex yeah, it a little exactly. bit because oh, I didn't get absolutely. to play it. Because I, I didn't get to play it. So I can flex it a little bit. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You won a Yates. Who cares? Um, no, but this year for me was personally like there, there was a point where like we win games. I wouldn't celebrate. I just go straight home. I just go home and sleep. And it's what I do. It's just, it, it was, it was rough for me. And, and again, was anything I could apologize to my teammates. I was not fun to be around. I was angry. I was very, very mad because I had just spent an entire year away from home, not being near my mom. I saw my mom for an hour at Christmas that year. That's all I did. And, you know, as, as much as like that year allowed me to grow, I got a dog, me and my girlfriend got a lot closer. This year for, I'm going to swear because I don't think Queens can um, censor me anymore. This year fucking sucked personally. My, uh, my mental health went down the drain when I learned I wasn't starting week one. And then the week, subsequent weeks after that, I was just, you know, as much as I was competing, there was no opportunity for me really go out and play and it sucked it 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 was friggin horrible it was the worst thing i've ever experienced i i i I, as much as football is a cutthroat game i thought i had put myself i did everything possible to put myself in a situation where i was going to play and it didn't happen that's the reality of football unfortunately um and i relapsed again i i had that moment of I can just push through this. I have pushed through so much in the last two years, being away from my family, not being able to go home because my mom has some sort of medical issues where like, I didn't want to be around her. If I wanted to go train somewhere, I'm going to get a friend's garage or something like that, which I did for the last two years. I'm still doing. Um, I didn't want to put her at risk. And that was rough. So, like, okay, I'm staying here, wear a mask and where I go be safe. Cause again, my girlfriend works with kids. So I had to be careful in that aspect as well. And I pushed through a lot and I was like, all right, I've pushed through enough. I can, I can push through this and try and get the spot back. Um, if I'm fully honest, I, I relapsed to the point where suicide did not seem that bad because as football players, you form your identity around this so much. Like, I got a hog skull on my friggin' arm. Like, you know, like it's, it's something that you carry with you for the rest of your life. And to have it end like that, as much as the team was having great personal goals and was reaching them and we made it to a Yates, it was so hard to keep a straight face during games. And, you know, I would, if I would go yell, try to make the guys get pumped up, like get the crowd into it. And I think a lot of guys still respect me in that aspect. And I don't think I saw it. I just felt like I'm a failure. And up until week four, was it week four we were playing Toronto? Pretty sure it was week four or week three. We were playing Toronto. And I was like, I looked up to my trainer. I was like, I need help. I can't do this anymore. 
my training was, you know, a big part, like not, not if you're hearing this, you were awesome throughout this whole year, throughout the pandemic, throughout everything where you kept a lot of my brain together as well as my body. And I looked at it as like, I need help. Like I'm, I'm not doing okay. And along with the coaches, we set me up with Becky Hayes. She is a therapist here at Queens University. And we set me off with Dr. Tripp, which is also a performance therapist here at Queens. Um, started talking about what was going on. Again, like did the conversation to come up, like, do you need to be on medication? Maybe not at this point, just because I am in psychology. I know what those medications do. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there just yet. But having just, just for a month, I had like four sessions with her before the season ended and things happened. I had to cancel some appointments and, you know, just trying to organize myself around getting the hell home for Christmas. Um, when all that was happening, you know, it was the, the relief I felt on my shoulders. Cause like every time I go on the field, I feel stupid being in this like whole, you know, big tatted up guy, high black, all the, gear on i was like i feel stupid like I, i'm not doing anything i'm just sitting there in a costume essentially right like after games like i didn't even need to shower i was dry i was bone dry and i still smelt great it was really weird to me it's a weird experience i haven't experienced in years right because again my first year like i said i didn't play i've been through this but this was my last year this was my senior year i had worked so hard to get to this point it wasn't happening and then i relapsed but what i didn't do this i was like as soon as i felt like okay i'm getting to my breaking point again i went and got help and it really did help and you know the coach is just like coach um coach trip or dr trip really emphasized just be ready it's gonna happen at some point you're gonna have to go in and play i played a bit i I had some fourth quarters i was on goal line you know to say i didn't play is an exaggeration but there's a lot of games where I didn't play at all against Guelph, which was a game I would have loved to have been part of. It just so it just seemed physical. I think from my previous interview, you guys know I do not like golf that much. No offense. Um, taken, but it was hard. That was the most mentally hard aspect all year. And then what our therapist, our team therapist Becky, was stating is like you're probably living through something you weren't able to properly process when your father passed away again i didn't get any help i managed to get through it i opened up to a lot of my teammates they helped me through it but i never processed it and processed it in a normal way everyone has their way of grieving i'm you know on the team i make dead dad jokes every five seconds and like to me that's just my way of grieving because my dad had that same sick twisted sense of humor and that was for me a way of getting through it and but again, she said, like, you're probably just not processing it right now. So she would just help me, like, this is who you are. Reaffirm who you are. Don't shy away from being who you are. And just because you are taking a diminished role in the team does not mean you are lesser of a human being. And that was a huge thing for me. And it felt great to get that off my chest. And just as much as I, I still felt it like I was less, I just constantly self-talk, like, this is not defined me as an individual. This does not define me as a partner to my girlfriend. This does not define me as a son to my mother. This does not define me as a friend to my teammates. And I just need to continuously be there for the guys as much as I could. And yeah, there was days where it was harder. Days was, you know, I, I, I felt like I was like, you know, getting 
close to a point where like I'm never gonna play football again and this hurts. But um man, just like the emphasis of getting help is the most important thing that got me through this year. And you know, going to 2022, you know, there's a lot of pressure that's off my shoulders and it feels good. Like it's it's I no longer define myself as a football player only. Like I am I am a lot of other things and you know I'm trying to find more things to pass my time. Like again stuff in the background that I collect like I'm a collector I like playing video games like just other things I can just find an outlet in like I am and I am not just what I am on the football field I'm not just a product that I put on the football field and as much as I take pride in that I need to understand that my self-worth as an individual is so much bigger than that and I need to keep emphasizing that that's an incredible message to send out there and and frankly we, we've talked with a number of people on the show about that piece on identity that you touch on especially once our football career comes to an end as it does for all of us knowing what comes next is huge because so much of our identity does get wrapped up with that sport but you know what luckily nick i don't think this is the end of the line for you for football i'm hoping we're knocking on wood whatever may come but the mindset you're in, whether or not, you know, you, you play again or whether or not you're involved with the sport is sounds like a good place to be in. Um, overall, do, like, do you feel like you're in a better spot now than you were in whether it's, you know, last year or in the year prior? I mean, I'm sure you're still dealing with a lot of those things, but do you feel uh, in some ways you're in, you're in a better spot? Uh, I'm in a better spot. Obviously, I still have my, my, my little dark moments there. Like, again, to say that I am not incredibly jealous of all my classmates who are going on to CFL combine um hell like I remember going through a little jealousy moment uh one of my buddies from high school is on the Seahawks now like it's it's huge I'm like holy cow these guys are living everything and I'm happy for them I want first and foremost I am so happy for them and I'm incredibly happy I play with them and just to get to know them as people but yeah if, if I'm honest with myself I am extremely jealous and if I had played this year were those opportunities that come to me Maybe, maybe not. I'll, I'll never know. But now I just need to focus on myself, and hopefully, you know, more opportunities will come up to will come to me as I play, as I continue training for, for future opportunities that come might come my way. But for now, like anything that's going to happen to me in life now is just you know, as much as I want to stay tied to the sport, I am applying for sports management, uh, a master's in sports management. I am you know going to be tied to the sport for the rest of my life because I, I I don't see myself living any other way being tied to football so one way or another whether my whether my involvement is future future opportunities it's uh attack it head on take the same mentality and make sure i know myself without that in that the product in the field does not attach myself to self-worth absolutely absolutely and i'll say firsthand that you know what even when we leave the sport and even when we think we're done with it the sport never really leaves us no. speaking as someone who has been hosting a podcast talking OUA football for a few years now it never really leaves us mm-hmm. nick thank you so much for for coming on sharing the story again um I'm, I'm sure we'll share out the article again with this episode when we put it out um and yeah all the best to you nick take care of yourself eh? thank you so much for having me on the podcast again really appreciate it Anytime.